Yeah. What is going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob, back with another episode of From My Experience Podcast, trying to bring you the energy back. I, I be I, One of the things I keep getting from you wonderful listeners is I like the energy at the beginning of the show. I'm trying to remain consistent, but I, we record at different days at different times, and just different things are happening, and... Tonight just happens to be one of those nights where the entire week is catching up to me and it's slapping me like a ton of damn bricks. And I'm trying. I promise y'all I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. But shout out to you, all of our wonderful listeners and subscribers. Thank you so, 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 so much for the love, for the shares, for the comments, the personal text messages, the phone calls. All those wonderful things. We love you. Thank you for the continued support. Um, shout out to our new logo. If you have not been paying attention, we unveiled a new logo. Refreshed, updated, more modern. You know, had to had to make a few tweaks. You know, that comes with evolution. Um, hope y'all like that. I think some of y'all were paying attention. I did get some comments about that as well. So just wanted to put that out there once again in case you missed it or did not see it. Um, also check out our affiliates. We have a link tree link. So you can check out Gardner's garden. You can check out acre gold. You can check out Blackwater, and you can check out jot forms. Retro Mimi is still on there as well. Check out the link, check out those affiliates. It's a great way to support the show. Now today I am not alone. I have the co-host with the most, who is always vibrating higher, Miss Jessica Fountain. Hello there. Hello, Rob. Hello, world. Uh, excited to be here tonight. Another CU reunion coming up. So uh, it's been, my week has been going. I've had a lot of clarity this week. Um, I actually feel the opposite. So I guess we're yinging and yanging. I feel like very resting in my intentions this week. So it's been a good week. I don't even know what that means. That means I've been uh, really sitting down in the things that are happening that I put these intentions out and I feel them, the universe and life and getting a lot of feedback oh. on each piece. So. I've been getting that too. I guess mine just wear me out because I've had to actually do uh, a lot more work behind them. Oh yeah, okay, you got to do the work. <laughs> Man, I see things. I'm like, all right, and then before I know it, it's two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, all right, I need to close my computer um, and stop watching Chicago Med. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, we have another special guest for you. Uh, as Jessica hinted and as i opened my notes i don't know why i closed it because we had a conversation before we started recording and i'm getting old because i can't be remembering stuff like i used to but we do have a wonderful member of our claflin family with us which is always great there's some great people that i went to school with well that we went to school with it truly is a family for us um so shout out to the Claflin University in Orangeburg, South Carolina. But <sighs> our special guest today. Now, well, Jessica, you can speak to, to your experience with her. I don't have.
have a lot of personal experience with this person, but I do have one fond memory of laughter and jokes and joy. Um, <laughs> someone I used to date has a reunion with her friends, and she is a part of this friend group. And I remember when they all came to town and we were eating pizza and laughing and joking and just having a great time is something that I will never forget. Um, it was very, very good conversation. And I was like, these women are all right. I was like, oh, my, my, my boo is in great hands. She got the right people around her. It's always good when your lady has good people around her. So um, I do want to say that I remember that. And I want to thank you for those fond memories and those great moments. I also remember going downtown one time and walking past the building and seeing a list of names of graduates and my girlfriend at the time stopped me saying, oh, that's the school. Hold on. Let's see if her name on the list. She don't talk, <laughs> like, she don't talk like that, y'all, but uh, <laughs> we looked and there's her name on this list of graduates. And I was like, okay, she's still here with us. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Why y'all? What is so funny, Jessica? <laughs> you, but uh, no, I I'm really excited. I want to just bring her on in. So, without further ado, she she unfurthered my ado, y'all. Um, we have the managing attorney of Johnson Murphy Law Firm, who currently works for the state of North Carolina, Miss Crystal. Wait, Crystal Murphy Johnson. Did I say it backwards? Crystal Johnson Murphy. Good evening, guys. <laughs> How are you all? Hi, listeners from my experience podcast. How y'all doing? Welcome. We're doing, why are you slapping your forehead? She got five names, okay? And on Skype, it says something different, okay? <laughs> oh, God. I was close. Not close enough. <laughs> If you ask me. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to remember that next time we have a guest. <laughs> and you introduce him. Hello! Now, Welcome, you? Crystal. Thank you. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? And don't, 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 don't answer right away. Don't answer. I want you to really think about that because there's a lot that is going on. There's a lot that has happened. There's a lot that's happening. And there's a lot that will happen. So... I don't want that question just to be a default. Hey, how you doing? Oh, all is well. No, 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 no. For real, for real. How are you doing today? I am actually really well. And one of the things about me is like when my kids are happy, I am happy. Recently, my kids did so well in school that they got these little motorized scooter bikes or whatever. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they were ecstatic when they got home today. They had good days at school. And they were ecstatic to just get on those little motorized scooters. So they're happy. I'm happy. Great day today. I know Great nothing, day. I know nothing about these feelings, um, but I, I wish I did. Wait on it. Wait on it, man. Oh, that's a good one. I can't wait to. <laughs> <laughs> or the adverse. Uh, <laughs> like, personal joy from the joy of your wonderful children. Uh, yes. So... I want to start with this. When did you know that, hey, I need to go into the field of law? Um, so I, I honestly think that the idea 
to go to law school came to me when I studied abroad. In college, I had the opportunity to study abroad. I went over to um, Nairobi, Kenya. Um, and one of the things that I saw there that was just extremely disturbing, and I thought to myself, you know, don't, we don't have that dynamic. And I didn't end up doing what um, I thought I would be doing, which was international law. Because there in Nairobi, they have these kids as young as like four years old. And they live on the street. And they're addicted to, I think they sniff glue, if I remember correctly. And so that like broke my heart, tore me into a thousand pieces. And I said to myself, I want to grow up. I want to do something and I want to fix that. I don't want to have kids living on the street sniffing glue as young as like four and five years old. So that's, that's literally where I got the idea. You know what? I think I want to go to law school. I want to do international law and I want to figure out how to fix that. And so where, where have you landed in your profession now? Um, so, well, now I work with children. I work with, um, juvenile abuse, neglect, dependency, and I also work with delinquency, um, which means juveniles that get in trouble. So outside of foster care system, there are also juveniles that get in trouble. Sometimes in school, sometimes just uh, disobedience, just undisciplined, uh, running away from home, things like that. So I still feel like in a ton of ways, I still ended up working with children, which I think was always my passion anyway. So um, not quite international law. You know, having a family kind of has its way of changing things for you. Um, but I won't, I can't even say that I got rerouted so far from what my intention were, which was just to be involved with children. So Crystal, with you dealing a lot on the domestic side and you having um, mainly troubled, uh, emotionally disturbed kids, we talk a lot about mental health and, you know, just becoming whole. How do you, I guess, encourage trust or reestablishing a different type of relationship with these children um, coming from such troubled circumstances or circumstances that may not necessarily mean that they're not coming from a good home or, but they're not receiving it. They're not, um, performing or showing up to school. They're not uh, encouraged, I guess. How do you change that perspective? Well, um, what I will say is there are tons of services for these, you know, youth um, that find themselves in these precarious situations. And um, I'm grateful to also be working with, it's a program called North Carolina Next. And okay. we are working on um, getting a grant from the state of North Carolina to begin some like outreach and funding to places where they try to ameliorate some of those situations that lead to runaways, that lead to, um, disturbances in schools and things like that. So I don't even know if I'm in a position to gain the children's trust because that's not necessarily my job. They have like yes. court counselors and they work with um, social workers and things like that. Um, so you represent mostly. them in this, within the system? Well, I represent the state mostly. So I work gotcha. with the state, yeah. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so that's not necessarily my position to, um, kind of create that level of trust between them. 
but we have amazing social workers. We have amazing court counselors. We have amazing um, people that work with like community service to foster those relationships with them to help them better themselves and get on the right track. So you're, okay. a, you're like the problem solver, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, I work on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Are there any, I mean, nothing's perfect, but what are some of the things that you see that you wish were done better or done differently? One of the, one of my biggest gripes with the system, I think is in the foster care system. And that's with like, um, within like juvenile abuse and neglect. So of course, you know that anytime that um, a report is made to DSS and there's like some type of abuse, neglect, or dependency by a parent against a child. The children are often put into foster care. And oftentimes we see parents come in with drug abuse problems. And so, so often, like the statute literally only allows this parent within, I mean, some wiggle room about a year to get it together. And then after that, the state can actually file to terminate those parents' rights. And so that's the most disturbing thing to Ooh. me is that, and, and I get it because the state still has to do a balancing act in determining like permanence and stability for that child and then giving the parent the resources and tools to try to mend the you know fences of whatever it was that brought the children into care. And so that's the toughest thing to see is people dealing with drug addiction. I mean, I don't know if, it, if you guys know anyone who's ever had a drug problem, but it's not like something you can no. switch off. You know, it's not right. like you just say, okay, I love my children. I don't want to do this anymore because it's <clears throat> not have them. Um, so I'm just going to stop with all the drugs and you guys still there? You yeah. still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just going to stop with all the drugs and I'll get my kids back. You know, that's just not how it works. It's chemical dependencies, you know, and, and it alters your brain. So I, that's the that's the hardest thing to see for me. And I'm Yeah, Rob brought that up in the last episode just about, you know, dependence and codependence. What were you gonna say, Rob? I'm sorry. Um, is a part of that process also like taking a look at what the parent is doing, like job and career and stuff like that too, to make oh, sure. Absolutely. The parents actually have like a case plan to work. Uh-huh. So they actually are required to have proper housing. They're required to uh, prove to the state that they can have the income necessary to care for a child. Um, they have to have several drug screens done um, and they have to come back negative. They have to do parenting classes. And so it's a ton of things That's that they a have. Lot. Yeah, you it's gotta a turn lot. your life around in a year, basically. Yep. Yep. I ain't got no kids and I ain't turned my life around in a year. And I have no addictions <laughs> and I still ain't turned my life around. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a just tall saying. task. Yeah, that's a, and I know there's pro, some, some people definitely listening like, well, they shouldn't have such and such in the first place. Um, but everyone's circumstances are different. Everyone, some people got tricked. You know, we talked about that last episode. Some people got tricked, man. That That's a lot in a year. Because it might take yeah. a fourth or half of that time just to get off. And now... I need a good enough job. I need to make sure that, woof. And, and mm. then don't, don't get me wrong. Now the state gives them tons of resources. Yeah. That's the thing I will say is the state gives them tons of resources, but oftentimes in my experience, it's cyclical, you know, 
like these kids who were in the system, their parents were in the system. Oh. Their parents were in the system, you know? So it's kind of like, it's just, you know, history repeating itself because these people lack the skills Mm -hmm. necessary or it's some type of predisposition to uh, addiction or something like that. So it's, it's just hard to see. And honestly, I mean, I say this every day at my job. It's sad to say that drugs is job security, you know, Mm. but every day at my job, I say how much I hate drugs, Mm. how much I hate drugs because it, literally keeps just about every facet of court running makes Mm. sense every facet of court criminal court Mm -hmm. usually domestic violence Mm -hmm. uh dss uh i mean anything you can think of there typically is some aspect you know of addiction or drugs and it's just it's terrible which I think kind of balances back to that mental health component. When you are under the influence of something, you're no longer using like the most capacity of your thinking, of your ability to make um, rational decisions. So you're, it, it does impact your mental judgment, um, which you are an advocate of therapy and uh, mental health. Could you tell us a little bit more about your experiences with that? Um, yeah, I think that we also see a ton of people who have undiagnosed, you know, mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I mean, year after year after year after year, you go through and you hear that when they're trying to cut funding from something, you know, federal level, the state level, pretty much any level, they cut it from mental health. And the more we do that, and I don't even know if this is true, like if this is a fact, but to me, it seems the more we cut from mental health, you know, the more we see issues, problems, escalations, and things that maybe weren't present in our society, um, you know, before we stop giving a crap about mental health, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so many people suffer from it. So many people don't know they suffer from it. So many people are... Um, underserved who suffer from it and so I mean that's another that's another facet of things that cause those problems and issues so it it makes sense because we're exposed to so much and it's so easily to be triggered nowadays like it's ridiculous just the stuff that we we see and the stuff that we don't even mean to see so yeah. I, could, I, I could imagine. I'm just glad that the talk around mental health uh, health nowadays, you know, again, we talked about this on our last episode. It's just, um, it's more front and center. Like, people aren't ashamed anymore. People don't think, oh, if I have an issue that, or if I go talk to somebody about this, I'm not, quote, unquote, crazy. Uh, I think that, that definitely helps. Now, um, I do want to give you a personal thank you for the services that you provide because me being in education, I see the other side that most people don't see, which is from the kids' perspective. I see the impact and the effects that it has on kids. So I will say, I will ask you this question, you being a parent, um, what are some, what are some good preventative measures you think? I mean, obviously not getting yourself into certain situations, but what are some like 
key preventative measures that you think someone should, t should take or even precautionary things like before because i know you've probably been stressed as a parent i don't think you've probably done anything extreme but i know you've probably had some days where you're like oh, let me reset let me rebalance type deal so what do you have to say to those parents who may be on the edge you know what i think what's important is to give our kids the tools to express themselves early i think that's important like we allow our children to tell us how they're feeling you know we allow our children to um you know if they don't want to hug us or kiss us or be happy with us at that moment they don't have to be because i think it's important for people to sit with their feelings mm -hmm. to learn their feelings you know learn their triggers and learn how they respond to different things and in that way you learn to better manage it and right. Parents too, and I think you. I mean, you. You start to have a unique vantage point as a parent of man. I probably could have dealt with that differently. I probably <laughs> could have handled that better. You know, mm -hmm. right? So you try to be more cognizant of that and give your kids the tools. But parenting is just hard. <laughs> <laughs> The it's look hard. on the way the look on your face shifted. <laughs> I wasn't ready. There's no manual. No, no. Parenting is hard and every child is different. So it's not like and that's the thing, like, I know why there's no manual because the manual wouldn't work for every for child. For every child. Right. So, and my my kids my kids are twins and I have to do different things with them. Yeah, you know, I, I, I often on the entrepreneur side and with you being both, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I often compare entrepreneurship to that of parenting because it still requires the same level of nurturing and like taking care of it and making sure that you are investing in it. Um, but depending on the line of business, all of those little pieces, there's a slight twist to it the same way with the kid you have to address it a little bit differently um you know you can't just give this cookie cutter response to it uh, but you can elaborate 100 <laughs> percent. i mean and and my kids are even night and day so you know something that i do for my son might not necessarily work with my daughter i yeah. mean we take two different approaches sometimes we have to split them up and i'll be like Husband, you got to deal with them, you know, <laughs> and I just hear myself a minute, but I yeah. think that, and honestly, it's actually typically the other way around. It's usually my husband and my daughter, because there's so much, there's so much alike. They're very similar in their personalities. Mm -hmm. and my son is a, just a spinning image of my, of myself. He is, he's extremely personable. He's extremely <laughs> talkative. He's, he's constantly thinking, I mean, constantly thinking. And sometimes that is exhausting. <laughs> I really through him how exhausting I am as a person. Right, know? right. But it's because I'm constantly thinking and I'm, you know, reevaluating on a constant basis. So we often have to divide and conquer. You know, like you said, there are nuances to each kid. And um, you've got to be intentional about the way you talk to them, about the things you do with them, about the time you spend with them. And um, and really just showing them love. So same with the business, right? The, right. Those, those are the same things you have to do. So right. I, I 
agree with that 100 percent and going back oh go ahead go ahead ladies first thank you (laughs) going back just a little bit when you were talking about um just you know people being able to emotionally express themselves like kids being in a position to emotionally express themselves uh i came i was talking about this with someone this week and came across like a a video some type of coaching video but uh he was saying there's you know scientific proof in when the not just reading and reading for words but at when you read you increase your vocabulary which teaches you another level of how to express yourself which the more you're able to express yourself the less likely going back to these these forms a lot of people know them or they um they uh, in abuse they tend to show or act out what they cannot verbally express or the same as when people um don't know how to communicate you know a process they're like oh let me just show you you know and so it can play out a lot of different ways but i think that that's really a big point uh which is good for adults and children uh but getting them when they're young keeps them you know invested by the time they get to rob in education systems they're they're inclined to want to learn more information um and they're not kind of straying these paths because they don't have anyone that sees them or hears them or listen it's not just go to your room it's like well, what's going on with you today? Like, you know, I, I noticed that this ain't your, I normally, these are the responses I'm getting from you, but this is not the response that your teacher told me today. And that seems to be a little bit, you know, different. Tell me, tell me what were you, what was going on? And and I find that kids, they do, are, are able to simplify, they feel a lot and they, you know, it comes down to these like simpler pieces, but um, yeah. I think it's really important to pause on that because a lot of adults don't show their emotion, don't communicate how they're feeling. And we still going back to those cycles. You have the cycles in adult life, in your jobs, in your families, and all these other areas because you didn't learn it at the age that your children are learning it. Yeah. And I find that my kids are much more in control of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and they're much more articulate. Mm-hmm. Like, Instead of like throwing stuff, they say, right. I'm very upset. <laughs> you know? And they, they literally. Well, are you? Tell me why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, sometimes my response is still, I'm sorry you're upset, but, you know, buddy, it's time to go to bed. Thank right. you for telling mommy you were upset. You right. know, just to acknowledge that because exactly. oftentimes we look at things from our vantage point and not from the vantage point of a child, right? So when we think that they're falling all over the floor with a tantrum and you're like, now see, it's not even that serious. That's what you're thinking. But in their world, think about it. They've never experienced death. That's terrible. They've never experienced a broken arm, you know, like those levels of pain. So to them, not being able to have that marshmallow when they wanted it, you know. It's like, my God. It ain't that serious. Get up. No, no, it is. It is that serious. <laughs> because, because, too, if you think about it, like, even from the time kids are born, they cry and they get whatever it is dealt with that's bothering them, you know? Right. And so they're constantly, you know, they're used to being pacified for whatever it is that they want, feel, or need. Right. 
Get and up. So when, they big, <laughs> so when they get bigger, they're dealing with how difficult it is not to always get the things that they want and need. And so we we have to be more, you know, cognizant that this is a big deal in their world. And you got to be grateful that's a big deal in their world. Because you have kids out there that are going through experience and death, you know, yeah. close right. to experience and broken arms because of abuse or what have you. So when my kids throw a tantrum, I realize it's coming from a place of privilege. You know, I'm just kind of like, I know you're used to getting what you want, but not today. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, filtering through those emotions with kids, I think uh, back to my point of just exposure, you know, Kids now are using words like depressed, yeah. you know, devastated, heartbroken. Um, just I'm like, man, I didn't even talk like you or even think anywhere near what you're talking about. I was so happy as a kid. But when I think about, again, what they're exposed to, they see a lot more real world stuff than I ever did. My world was going outside my friends and cartoons like there was no social media for me to see what's going on with the police and protests and, you know, a jerk off former president. There's just so many things <laughs> that they see. And it's like, back to your point of just letting them express themselves. Like, you know, parents these days have a much different role. It's like, you got to help your kid filter through these and let them also remind them that feelings are temporary. One day you can be on top of the world and everything's perfect. The next day you can be sad. But let's talk about and manage these emotions. You know, depressed. Do you really know what depressed means? You know, that's not a, uh, 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 that's not the same as just being sad over something. Depressed is like an ongoing thing. And then having a conversation with them. Well, why do you feel depressed? You know, this is what depressed is. Are you sure that this is where you are with it? Or are you just a little sad today? Um, these are conversations I have with them because I take it very serious because, you know, kids hurt themselves. You know, they hurt themselves. Or like you said, the nonverbal cues of just, you know, hey, you're not doing your work or I notice you're not, you know, you pick up on the little things and you can tell when something is wrong. And then I have to gauge the severity of it because I don't know what it's going to lead to. Like you just yeah. in a funky mood or you about to chop them upside the head with a pencil. Like <laughs> I like to be in the preventative stage or, you know, are you about to do something to yourself? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I feel for our little ones, man. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot for us as adults. So I can only imagine as a kid who doesn't really understand who's experiencing these things for the first time, uh, how, uh, overwhelming it can be just to, just to have feelings and emotions. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. I mean, and we are living in very different times, very, and every generation says that. And, and to some degree, I think it's true. Every generation, like, yeah change they constant are constantly changing so i mean we are living in very different times it's 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 hard to it's hard to be in the present and in the now sometimes it really is now, so i got a question for you you said mm -hmm. you worked <laughs> you worked for a law firm as an associate and you said you only lasted three months oh yeah and you're <laughs> you had to cuss everybody out or you wanted to cuss everybody out what happened you know what? I, I when we talk about mental health, uh oh, um, and undiagnosed mental health, um, I really think that, and I, I don't want to be disparaging, I want to say that 
it was difficult for the two of us to coexist. It was just difficult for the two of us to coexist. Quickly, that it wasn't for me. That and that's that's I'm just I'm gonna leave it there because I don't want to be disparaging. I think and this this attorney is a great attorney. She really is an attorney. Um, maybe not so great with personal relationships, and that's important when you work in the same space. Mm-hmm. That's important. So um, so yeah, that's. That's that's it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not for me. It did not work. Um, and I won't even say that. Um, I don't see myself working in the same space with someone again. Mm-hmm. That could very well happen. Um, just didn't work for us. I understand so, that. Without being in your business, in your business, mm-hmm. <laughs> like so, how does that work? Uh, as like with you working for the state contracting. Do you do contracts with the state? Like, how does that process work? Um, I'm actually employed by the state now. Gotcha. I don't even, like, privately represent clients at the moment. So gotcha. I, don't, gotcha. you know, like, if a person calls me, I'll refer them to another attorney because I just, I solely work for the state. Gotcha. Okay. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, I, you know, I think about going back to private practice often. But I honestly think I'm I'm good with the nine to five right now because of my little ones. Like when you when you work in private practice, you two both know probably better than anybody else that I could talk to about it. But when you work for yourself, it's twenty four seven. It's just you. Yep. It's all you're figuring everything out from top to bottom, from open to close, from you know uh, from payroll to you know it's just. It's everything. It's a lot. Yeah, everything. It's everything. Yeah. What sticky notes? Everything. everything. <laughs> like, not that yeah. that matters, but you still need them. Whatever. It's every task. So yeah, yeah there's a lot until you delegate. And mm-hmm. even when you delegate, you gotta follow up. Right. You, you still, still have to create the path. You still have to be strategizing. What does that look like before you hand it over? You can't just like dump it. So yep. yeah, there's a lot of a lot of pieces and so too, when when we decided we wanted to have children we kind of just said you know what it might be better to get back in a nine to five sort of deal you know and so that's where i find myself good yeah, making those <laughs> adaptations and adjustments for the family is always great um and thank you for uh shedding light on that because i know there's there's some career shaming going on um, I see, you know, people trying to make people with nine to fives feel like trash because they don't work for themselves. But I'm like, it, that ain't for everybody. And that's not for every situation at the time. Um, so stop shaming people for what they decide to do with their life. Yeah. And I mean, not only that, but there's a, there's a time and a season for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And you've got to know for yourself what's best for you. you right. Know, I and each... It's different for everybody, but I know that I'm heavily invested in my kids, heavily. And honestly, what's most important to me is their, my legacy being them. So it's at times almost where I find my motivation for just about everything is just my kids. And so for me, if I were to use my energies and split it between two places, they wouldn't be get as mu- getting as much of me as I can give them if I didn't have to split it. I already have to go to work for eight hours a day, you yeah. know? 
And to me, that's a lot. That's a lot of time away. And, you know, I, I just wasn't in a position to do it for 16, 17, yeah. 18 hours a day. You know, I just, I didn't want that for myself or, the, or for them. So that is a lot. Um, I'm going to shift gears and ask you something a bit more personal here. So t I want mm -hmm. to take a deep breath. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot going on in the news and the media with uh, just black people being under attack. I just want to focus on black people right now. Um, and these police killings. And you being a woman with a family, with a husband, with two children, what are you personally doing on a day-to-day -day basis just to keep yourself together and help keep the family strong, keep the family together? I know everyone plays a different role in their household, but, you know, your husband walks out. I'm a, you know, I don't know if he's going out to work, but, like, you know, y'all are apart for a time of day, so... What is your reassurance to yourself that, okay, everything is okay. I'm not going to freak out. You know, I, I know that, you know, when I turn on the TV or when I hear the news, like that's, that's not, that might be another black man, but that's not my husband. Like, how do you kind of balance this from your perspective? I'll be honest with you. I don't know that there is a way to balance it. I feel like it's heavy. It's constantly traumatic. And it's something that, and full transparency, I started, after I had my children, I started like having really bad anxiety. Mm. And it wasn't even about my children being black in America yet. It was just about how do I protect my children? You know, like something could happen to them at daycare. You hear all these stories about daycare. Oh God. Happened, yeah. yeah, in the bathtub, you know, like, how do I protect my children? So I started having serious bouts with anxiety. And so um, talked to my doctor and everything, and I just started going to therapy. So that's number one. I go to therapy, right? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I also have as candid as possible of conversations with the people that I run into on a day-to-day -day basis. My coworkers, law enforcement that I might see, um, judges that I interact with, because that sometimes there are, you know, with what we're going through right now, everybody feels safest within their own microcosms, you know? Yep. The people who look like them, the people who think like them, you know, the people who buy the same cereal and clothes, you know, like everybody feels most comfortable where you can identify with the people around you. And so I know that just having a conversation with someone who is not in my microcosm is implanting maybe a vantage point that they never thought about. Nice, yeah. You know? So I hope that that's my, you know, what I can contribute. But, I mean, and there's so much more that I want to do all the time, but... I, I just don't have the time. I want to do more, but I feel like I'm doing something when I have a conversation with a law enforcement officer and they say to me, they don't understand why it's so bad, why people think it's so bad. It's just the media trying to influence you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And once yeah. you say that, you're like, whoa, that's how you feel? Yeah. You know, that's how you feel? 
And then I say, imagine this. Imagine you've flown all your life, right? You've taken flights, you go, you know, cross country, you've gone internationally. And then one day, all of a sudden, you see airplanes every day crashing. Every day you see an airplane crashing. It doesn't matter the reason. Just every day you see an airplane crashing. Every time you see one, it imprints on your brain. Dang, that could be me. Yep. Dang, that next flight that go down, I could be on it. That could be my mom, my dad. And then over time, you start to build this anxiety that you weren't even aware of mm -hmm. until you were afraid of getting on a plane. Yeah. And then when I say that to him, he's just like, okay, I can see what you're saying, but it's the media's fault. Okay. Wow. I can understand how you think it's the media's fault, but the media can't broadcast what doesn't happen. Right. 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 You know? And then they say, I, I can't think, I can't think of how the conversation flows, but it's just an opportunity to give them something to think about, you know? Like, yeah. Like, no, it's not just the media. It's not something people are making up. It's it's happening. It's real. Very real. And even if it isn't real, if you saw it every day, you will begin to think it's real, right? right. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I wish I could do more, but I feel like at least talking to people who um, don't, you know, walk in the same circles that I do might give them something to consider. We all have an area of influence. And I think a lot of times um, people in like we all on different topics think like, you know, if I'm not doing X, Y, Z, then, you know, I'm just not going to do anything because that's not it's not going to matter. And we all have a responsibility to, you know, vibrate around whoever we're around. Like so if it's a room of five, then, you know, using your voice among the five. If it's a room of 500, you know, being uh, courageous enough and, and it's not like coming into the room, necessarily speaking. But when you have those opportunities and they um, they show themselves or people, you know, show their face or their ideals, you know, challenging that thought, not necessarily going with the position that you're going to change their mind. But I think challenging is a little bit different than trying to change someone's mind. It's like if that is which. I'm sure as an attorney, you know all about yeah. that debate <laughs> yes. and the dance of that. But, you know, just being willing to say, like, I don't I don't think so. And like, have you ever okay. considered like I think that those are really influential moments. Um, I experienced them in my studio where 65 percent of my clients are non-black. And so there's often these mentalities that are not um they don't align they don't i i know that they don't align with the black community just in general not necessarily every single black person but overall no that's not that's not real <laughs> you know like that's a figment that's something that's been perpetuated or you know looking at it from the these uh cases i mean some of the cases it's like you want uh i uh, ideal victim or ideal uh like well he had this well she had this and it's like it doesn't matter when you have you know uh ruth murder a church full of people and walk out okay um so using our influence to make sure that we 
we are impactful in the areas that we are. So kudos yeah. to that. Yeah. I know one um one deputy that I talked to and we talk about all of them, like he even put a he gave me something to think about when um when talking about the Philando Castile shooting. He gave me something to think about. You know, it's something I would have never seen on my own. But how we literally start our conversation just about every time mm-hmm. is either he says it or I do. You know I'm not going to agree with you, right? You know we're not going to go. And I feel like that, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I want you to hear it from somebody that you know. Mm-hmm. I want you to hear it from somebody that you know doesn't have the motive to just say, all cops are bad, you know? Right. They're evil. All cops are racist. Like, that's not... That's not it. That may be the narrative that you hear, but you know, I'm not that person, you know? Right. And so once that happens, it already establishes kind of like a level of trust that you just don't have with the media screaming and shouting things at you and how they feel is that they're just being, they're being attacked with black people. I don't know. I don't even understand it. I really don't understand it. I think they think Black people just want things for free, you know, when they don't realize how much we've worked, you know. Well, I think a lot of people are really blinded, (laughs) like really blinded in there. Going back to your example about children and in their world, they haven't been told no yet. In In their, like, in conversations, there really is a disconnect. (laughs) Like a disconnect that is not my experience, not my cousin's experience, not my father's experience. Uh, The same, and it's like over and over and over in our community, that's not our experience, but it opposes their thought process. I mean, from LeBron to TT, whoever, like it is, everybody has that same you know, um, universal experience. You can be Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, and still be impacted by racism, bias, um, at some point in your life. life. And so if that's not your life, I think sometimes people give themselves credit for things that, no, that was, that you benefited from that out of me being discriminated. Like yes, you, yeah. you, you were able to capitalize and you don't see these, these economic changes from, you know, home ownership to college, um, college acceptance, um, mm-hmm. all these different, I mean, there's so many different barriers that put people in position to create different outcomes. And we start looking at the minuscule instead of like, let's draw that line all the way back to the source and the source is I didn't have this, those same resources and even still with what I did have miraculously I'm here you know like um so I don't know Rob your face looked like you like no I mean y'all are basically hitting the nail on the head um it goes back to just personal experience um some some white people literally don't know the life of a black person if you've never really work closely with or t- taking the time to develop you know a relationship with black people to see how they interact you know see that we're human we're people too like we're not just what you see 
and entertainment and media because without that personal relationship, that's all they have to go by. These perpetuated stereotypes and things of that nature. Um, fortunately, I have the benefit of growing up around a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and cultures. And I've had these conversations with them. They're like, wow, I didn't realize this. Or wow, like, do, do all y'all do that? Like, And it's not in a bad way. It's like, I've never yeah. seen this before. Is this like a black thing? Is this a white thing? Is this an Asian thing? And we start to really build genuine relationships. You can see that, yeah, we have differences, but we also have similarities. Um, and one of those similarities is we all want to live. Yes. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, we, we all... Like <laughs> yeah, like we all have bad days. Like, but it's like for you to just see the color of my skin and your entire disposition change towards me before I even speak a word is fucked up. Like, <laughs> it's fucked yeah. up. It's like I don't have, I don't stand a chance, regardless of where my life was, where my life is, and the things I've contributed to the world. It doesn't matter because when you see my skin, you got a problem already. Like, yeah. I don't, I can't even emphasize how that feels. Like I've seen, I've gotten looks from police officers. I've been pulled over and I've seen the look on their face like them expecting some BS. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm straight, bro. Like, all right, cool, ticket. All right, yeah, see you in court, get this reduced, whatever. Like everybody is not a threat to you and a threat to your life, but we can talk about that all night. I'm just going to, I'm going to put a pin in it right there. I don't have any more questions for you, Crystal, Jessica. No, I don't either. Crystal, it was great seeing you catching up. Thank you for stopping by. Yes, thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm honored that you guys think I'm interesting enough to have a conversation with. So you I are. K to the J. <laughs> oh my! One gosh. time, I had I had to do it. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. That that makes me feel more familiar. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> do, do you have any uh, final? Uh, you have a closing argument? <laughs> no, no, okay. no. That was a good one, Rob. <laughs> okay. I've been telling bad jokes all week. Let me tell you. My kid that was done. Like 20 good bad ones. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Well, first of all, Crystal, thank you again for joining us and sharing your experience here on From My Experience Podcast. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Thank love you. It. Thank you once again. And thank you all, ladies and gentlemen, for continuing to listen and support. You know you can follow, like, subscribe, comment, all those beautiful things. We are on Instagram, FME underscore podcast. Don't forget about our Facebook group. From My Experience Podcast and our Facebook page. Guess what? From My Experience Podcast. And you can follow me personally on Instagram. It is complete, spelled with a K, underscore vision. Jessica, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram as well, at exposure, uh, spelled E-X-P-O-Z-H-E-R, um, as well as jessicarenee.com, which I launched the site this week. So... It's a soft launch. You can check that out. <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, take care of yourselves physically, mentally, financially. And spiritually. And we'll see y'all next time. Peace. Bye, guys. Peace.